Welcome to Fearlessly Made You. I am your host, Christy Tobias. Joining me today are guests just striving to dominate in their personal and professional lives while answering the question, what does it mean to be fearlessly made? On this episode of Fearlessly Made You, I am so excited to have not only a wonderful friend, but someone who I truly admire. Rachel Gillette, who is the president of Studer Community Institute, is with us today. And guys, I can't be more excited for you to hear more about Rachel's story, uh, to learn more about who she is, and really just to understand a little bit more about what makes her fearlessly made. So Rachel, thank you for joining us today. I'm so glad to be here, Christy. This is going to be an exciting conversation. <laughs> it and, always uh, is. I hope the listeners will forgive me. I'm full of cold. I don't <laughs> normally sound like this. I'm going to try not to sniff or cough too much today. No worries. But we'll, we'll have a fun conversation. Absolutely. And for those of you like that, most of you guys know, like I'm living in Florida right now, based in Florida, um, and we're filming in Pensacola, Florida. At the time of this episode, we just went through a massive storm, so we're all like, how do we live now? But we'll get through it. We'll be, we'll be great. So, Rachel, one of the things that I love about you is you have a really interesting story, um, and I feel like there's been so many transitions in your life that have happened, um, and I think our audience would love to just learn a little bit more about kind of where you came from um, and how you got here to Pensacola. So give us a little bit of a download of who you are and kind of where you came from. It's interesting. I've been telling this story and as I've been doing it, be getting more vulnerable Mm. and willing to share some more of the background and who um, who makes me me. But I am uh, middle of three daughters, middle child. And as I said in a previous conversation, that's a whole nother. <laughs> that's a whole nother episode, that middle child. That's a separate episode with Rachel. Yeah, so we won't go there today. Um, but, but I have two terrific sisters. Um, I was born in Denmark because my father was working overseas at the time. And that's kind of part of my, my whole story um, with my father working overseas and in different places. But my mom went with, my elder sister um, was maybe 18 months old at the time that I was born. And we stayed in Denmark for um, about three years until my sister was ready for kindergarten. And then we kept, went back to Liverpool, which is what I consider to be my hometown where That's I grew true. up. Okay. So um, home of the Beatles, of course. Yes, that's immediately <laughs> what came into my head. Yeah, I actually have. So I got a new record player. And so the first <laughs> record I got was a Beatles record. Wow. I grew up loving the Beatles. I still do love yes. the Beatles. So I, I, when you said I was like, the Beatles, that's yeah. what I thought in my head. <laughs> uh -huh. I know. It's so fun. I think everybody of all generations knows something about the Beatles and maybe one of the songs. So so that's really fun. Um and yeah, just had, you know, what I considered to be a really great childhood. Um, there, of course, were difficulties and tensions. My father um, went overseas again to Brazil when I was maybe eight or nine, and that was a four-year posting, and that created a lot of tension um, with him being gone and my mom effectively almost trying to raise us mm -hmm. by herself. Um, eventually, the marriage broke up, and so that divorce is really a part of my story, seeing that, navigating that, um, having 
an absent father who didn't know how to parent, how to be a good father, because he hadn't had that when he was growing up. He was a, a single child, and actually his father had been away fighting in World War II. Wow. So his mother had brought him up, but had suffered a lot with anxiety and depression and those kinds of things. So that kind of, you know, looking back now, Christy, I can talk about it. We didn't, we were one of those families who didn't talk about those things. That's you know, true. my mom was always putting a positive spin on things and, you know, us girls together and we'll get through this. And, and we, we kind of, the difficult things we, we just didn't talk about because we, our way of doing things was to focus on the positive. And so that's been a blessing and a curse yeah. in my life. I am, I consider myself to be an extremely positive person. 100%. Focus on the positive and, you know, whatever the negative is, kind of push it to the side and get through it. But of course, you know, that has its own, its own issues and its own difficulties. So, yeah, and, and you know, my dad, the divorce happened, um, and my dad absented himself completely from our lives at that time at the request of my mom. She said, just let us get on with it. We're okay, kind of without you. But he came back into my life when I was when I had left the home and was away at university. And we, over many years, rebuilt the relationship. He then sort of kind of spent the rest of his life trying to learn to be a better parent and a better dad. And wow. so eventually, of all of the three children, he and I had the best relationship. So I ended up sort of later in life still having a – my dad died of cancer, mm. um, sadly, a number of years ago. But I had a great relationship and was at his bedside when he died. And I still have a great relationship with my mom. She's like my – she's the rock, yes. you know, for our family. She – always was and, and is and so I continue to have a great relationship with her back in England and so kind of those are some of the things that shaped my yes my childhood and my growing up um how I got here to Pud Scholar is another story I'm passionate I I was a lawyer in England I went to law school I got my law degree I was a trial lawyer with a barrister with the the white wig yes. and the gown and the yes my lord and 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 all this stuff and that was my whole plan yeah. for my life when you talk about you know what's the plan I was going to be a barrister and eventually a judge and but I because of my dad and he was a marine engineer and surveyor and loved the ocean and the sea and sailing and that was kind of in my blood too mm -hmm. and I got into it um, when I had finished university back into the sailing that we, I'd done a little bit of as a kid with my dad my family and I had this opportunity to go to a regatta in the British Virgin Islands imagine picture the scene I'm sitting in my barristers chambers planning the cases that I had for the next few months and somebody I had been sailing with um, a few months before sent me a text message and said there's a spot come open on the boat and it was only a couple of weeks out and I was like oh my goodness there's no way I can go to this yeah but fortunately a barrister who was I shared an office with shared a room with said a Rachel, once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. You have to go. One hundred percent. I know. I mean, take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. 
Um, so I did. I went down to the British Virgin Islands. I sailed in this international yacht regatta that had people from all over the world. And on the first night, we had practiced. We went into the bay. We moored up next to this boat. And as we were doing so, you know, people were kind of barking instructions and what have you. And I heard this really sexy American voice. <laughs> yes. Imagine <laughs> Channing Tatum <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> yes. And I was, I was, I was imagining. And I turned around to look at this boat as to where this voice had come from. And there was this guy on there and my sort of, in my mind, my ideal man was, you know, kind of six foot four and tall, dark and handsome. And, and that had been it. Those I like been the specificity the, of the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, those are the people I had dated, rugby players and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, of course, none of those had worked out. So, really, the completely wrong kind of guy. But th there was this guy, same height as me, um, kind of this wild he'd been sailing and so sort of had this wild brown curly reddish hair um hawaiian shirt completely open total opposite yeah you know shorts with holes in and and he called him his lucky shirt and i thought Oh, no. <laughs> the disappointment. I was like, well, well. <laughs> at least he has a sexy voice. A sexy voice. And we ended up talking all night, just got on so well. We raced against each other all week. Our boat would come first in one race, and then his boat would come first, and we would come second. We ended up at the end of the week of this racing sailboats in this beautiful, beautiful environment tied on points in the regatta and my team went on points and he won me wow <laughs> so that was it and so we dated long distance for a year we got engaged a year after we had met and then two years to the day we got married and I came to America and that was will be 20 years this year so First, he was the right one after all. He was. <laughs> and let's, as you guys have probably been following Rachel's story, <laughs> there's easily like seven stories in here, which are just, and it's honestly why I was so excited for you guys to meet Rachel. We, I remember we went to brunch. I want to say it was probably this time last year. It doesn't feel like it was, but it was like right around Easter time, I want to say. And, and Rachel and I have been friends and colleagues for a, a while, but like sitting down and just getting to have one-on-one -on -one time and, and have brunch and walking through our story. And one of the things I told her, Rachel, I was like, I actually don't know like how you got here. Yeah. And so that was one of the most amazing things was learning that journey and story. And we'll unpack that a little bit. I almost want to go backwards though, just a touch, because you said something that we've been talking about a lot on Fearlessly mm -hmm. Made You, and you were talking about your family life um, and the things we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think as people, and especially I'll even and I've said this before, as women especially, we are really good at being okay. Mm -hmm. And especially those of us that like tend towards a positive disposition. I know in my community, and so my, my family is Jamaican, as you know, which has a little bit more of a British settling than other areas. And so we very much, you don't, you don't talk about Oh, no. like that's not yeah, the polite that's thing to of, do. Yeah, <laughs> stiff up a lip and let's yeah. have a cup of tea. Exactly. And, you, know. <laughs> you just, you're fine. Everything's yes. fine. Yes. So I, I love, though, that you kind of broke that down a little bit and even started off our conversation of I'm learning to be more vulnerable. I am. So I want to I kind of tap into that a little bit. Yeah. So talk a, a little bit about how that transition started to happen for you, hearing the story of your parents as you're reflecting and realizing 
we were not actually okay. Yeah. What does that mean? And, and I think especially for our Fearlessly Made You crew and our audience, we are all in this space now where we're having to be honest and say we are not okay. And so I think there's, with you being such an amazing and admirable figure in our community and being able to say that, I think yeah. there's such power there. So, so unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, and I think what I've been learning, Christy, is that's so important because we do sort of sometimes look at people through the lens of of what we've created, the piece that we allow people to see, and especially with social media. Mm. And we allow people to see a very small piece of us. And oftentimes it's through literally a filter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, rid yes. of these wrinkles, make me thinner, <laughs> all these things. Add all the highlighting yeah, and all that stuff. You know, <laughs> and we rarely show that side that other side but the reality is we all have it yes and so I think if we're we're being honest with ourselves and you know I I have a personal mission about um, positively making a difference in people's lives mm-hmm. and if I'm being true and honest to that then I I can't show just this success and I put success in quotes, but, you know, winning races, being promoted, achieving things over and over again, because then when people see me, they just see, oh my gosh, amazing life, totally wonderful, this, that, and the other, and, and then aspire to that when that's not reality. Yes. Oh my gosh. I want to hold there because that has to be, if you heard nothing else, but you heard that, it's not reality. The life that we live every day, and it's it's funny, it reminds me of, you know, back when I used to do bodybuilding, um, one of the things that we were taught very early on is your morning body and your afternoon body are two different bodies. Mm-hmm. And I think what we show everyone is our morning body. Like, yeah. it's the, I haven't eaten anything, I haven't drank anything, everything is great, nothing has happened yet because it's 5 a.m. And we're just sitting in this space. But I think what you said is so powerful. Nothing that we see that is really a true reality or a true perspective of someone's full life. So I just, I had to hold there for just a minute so that we like really lean into that. Like think about what that means for you, like what your reality is and what you're sharing with people. Cause I think that's so important. Yeah. Because what happens is that people then can't relate. Yes. Number one. And then they feel inferior. Yes, absolutely. Because they think, Oh my goodness, that's a standard. That's a person and I can't get there because of all these things that that are happening in my life. And so then the sense is that that feeling of being not enough. Mm-hmm. And if it's my personal mission to help people be better and improve their lives and create a positive impact, then then I'm not achieving it. I'm doing Absolutely. a disservice by not being an authentic person by not showing both sides, yes. by not showing the inside as well as the outside. And that's hard, right? Yes. It's hard being being vulnerable, being authentic, sharing some of those, those difficult times um, that you go through and that everybody goes through and the struggles. But what's amazing when you do is that you do then become relatable. Yes. And people as you said, Christy, can lead into that. And actually it becomes much more powerful than just showing the so-called successful self. Yes. Because 
that relatability, that authenticity um, then becomes something that is helpful to people. And I keep going back to that wanting to, um, you know, help people. I want people to feel good enough yes. in whatever stage they're in and what whatever time that. they're at in life. I like the feel good enough mm-hmm. because I think that is something that we don't always think about is like, how do you feel good enough? And, you know, the whole, as a reminder to all of you, you know, the premise of our show is the book fearlessly made you right. And it's that reality of there's a, a messiness that is my life, as y'all know. Um, so, <laughs> but putting that out in the book and now having these conversations and gives us this space to talk about real things and to talk about those those yeah. difficult things. And so in hearing kind of you leaning into your own vulnerabilities and and I'll even say like unveiling your true reality, what has that meant for you as you were building that relationship with your father? Because that had to have been so difficult. It was. It was challenging because... Um, the issue was then, was I being disloyal to my mom, oh, who yeah. had been the one who had been there, who had loved us, who had raised us, who'd been through all the difficult and messy times. And then there's my dad coming in and saying, I want to now be part of it. Yes. And so there was a real, um, you know, kind of tug of war almost, you know, and having those conversations with my mom saying, you know, my capacity for love isn't finite, it's infinite. And by saying that I'm giving my dad some love, it's not taking from the love that I'm giving you. It's It's a different and that was, you know, we still haven't resolved that, yeah. you know, um, it's still difficult conversations. And then, and then it, the conversation was around, well, how can you love somebody who's done this and done that and not done this and not been here? And then again, it comes around that whole idea of being able to love somebody who, you know, wasn't necessarily the best they could be, yeah. you know. Um, and again, that human capacity for love. So, yeah, difficult conversations. And then, you know, conversations with my dad about that. Again, you know, we didn't talk too much, but there were some conversations. But what I was able to see was somebody who realized that they were flawed mm. and wanted to, you know, make an effort to make repairs and to be there and to be supportive and be helpful. So, yeah, you know, interesting, interesting journey as I look back at those times. But I'm glad that I was, my younger sister was not able to re- repair the relationship. And and I'm glad that I was able to before he died because we did have some, you know, phenomenal conversations. He loved my husband. He loved Paul. They got on so well. And, and he loved sailing. So we went on some trips together, sailing, and, oh, and had I a lot of fun. That. and. Yeah, so so really built some happy memories um, with him through being able to work on that relationship. Rachel, you're going to make our entire crew, Fearlessly Made You Crew, cry in a beautiful way because I think there's such... I, and thinking about just people, those of you that, you know, I have wonderful conversations with on a regular basis, I think we're all going through that very interesting struggle in our lives of either repairing 
relationships, understanding relationships. And I say we all, myself included, um, especially parental relationships. Mm -hmm. I think we're in such an interesting place now. Yeah. And so uh, shifting a little bit, as you said, that as you and your dad kind of rebuilt what is a new relationship, may he, of course, rest in peace, but he got the chance to meet Paul. Yeah. And so let's go into a little bit of your sailing journey. So when we talk about Fearlessly Made You, we talk about not being without fear, but not allowing that fear to own you. Rachel, you went on a whole journey and went to a whole different country right. with the rugged man. Yes. <laughs> a little off from your normal yeah. man-like journey. But yeah. I mean, and there was so much more to that too. So yeah, like, and he's the most that? wonderful man yes, in the world. Is. And like I said, it's 20 years this year and I love him more than ever. And, and you know, and, and I firmly believe that God brought us together and, and that was meant to be... Um, yeah. And so, yes, there have been many times in my life when I have taken leaps of faith. Yes. Yeah. So to go to making a choice at university between what was a safe choice to be a solicitor, mm -hmm. there were thousands of places at university to do that. And in, the, in, in England at the time, there were 500 opportunities to go to the bar and be a barrister. Wow. And I had to make the decision before I knew that I had the qualifications. So a lot of study uh, and everything else, but it was a leap of faith to do that. Fortunately, it was worthwhile Absolutely. and I got the place and I was able to um, start my career at the bar. Then, I mean, that day in that room, should I go and to this trip yes. and kind of reassign my cases and different things. And I did. So that was, I went on that trip, which led me down the path of meeting my amazing husband, Paul, and making the decision to give up this tremendous life that I had built in England, uh, owned a beautiful house, a sports car, I had tons of friends, my family was there, um, to say, okay, I'm going to give all that up to go 3,000 miles across the pond and start a new life. Yes. Because of the love that I had found with Paul. And people thought I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. What yeah. was I doing? And, and I did it because of a very deep sense of belief that it was the right thing to do, that this, that, that our love was important and, and he was the right person for me. And, and yeah, setting up in a new country and going through all the immigration process yeah. and everything was hard and difficult and finding new friends and finding a new role and a new way and, and all of that kind of stuff was, um, you know, it took a lot, lot of courage <laughs> and, and also a little bit of crazy. <laughs> we all need a little bit of crazy in our life. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it just sometimes you have to take that leap of faith Absolutely. and do it with belief, but also do it with determination and positivity yes. that you're going to make it work. Yes. I like that you say that because I think to, to your point of people were like, wait, what are you doing? But it wasn't about anybody else. It was about what that meant to you. And it's funny, you know, and, and you know this, and, and the Fearlessly Made You crew, this will be a, most of you know this, but if not, this will be a nice little tiny announcement of that I'm moving to Atlanta. And we're not going to talk too much about that because it's going to make us both cry. But in that transition, right. it was like the right move for me. Yeah. And in your transition to the States, it was the right move for you because you felt that in your heart. 
too many times I think we allow everyone else or what other people's reality or their perception of our reality to impact the decisions that we make. Yeah. I think that's the whole premise around being fearlessly made is it's about your fearless journey. Yes. Um, and allowing, like you said, the courage of who you are to drive you. Yeah. And I love that about you, Rachel. And I think one of the things that I also love is in this transition for you, um, you're also inspiring so many people. So if you were to kind of describe your journey and what it truly means for you to be fearlessly made. How would you describe that? What does that sound like to you? I'm going to turn this around because as I thought of this today, I want to ask you, Christy, do you feel successful? It's a great question. I do feel successful for reasons that I think will probably surprise people. Um, I think there are a lot of things in my life. So with the trauma, with the post-traumatic stress disorder, I got a second chance at how I pursue my life. Prior to that, I was very focused, and I always have been, um, on a journey, but I was also had put a lot of boxes and limitations around who I was. When I was diagnosed with PTSD, I became a shell of myself. So I had to start all over yeah. with who I was. And in doing that, one of the things that I made a promise to myself of is I will never allow the fear of failure, I will never allow the fear of being myself to keep me from just living. And that took a long time. So I was 20 when I was diagnosed, and I'm 36 now. So it took a long time to figure out what that means. Um, And lots of interesting relationships, work situations, all of that, to say, at this stage in my life, I consider myself successful because, not because of fearlessly made you, not because of my work, but because I feel authentically like me. And it's messy, and I'm okay with it. And that's it and and I, I almost knew that's where you were going to go which which is why I wanted to ask the question and why people should read your book um, because we talk about success your question to me was about you know what does it mean to me um, to be fearless and and we think about well gosh what does that look like yeah. and we think I think in this country in the USA especially we think about that in terms of success and what does success look like mm-hmm. but then we when and I think it's a, as you've said it's always a journey yes but it's not uh, we, you know, it's kind of, oh, well, success is checking these boxes. It's having this title. It's having this amount of money. It's having this and that and all these things. And that's what success looks like. And it's just not at all. Yeah. And it, it's that amazing place that you have managed to get to in your life, Christy, through all the struggles um, and that you've had and the periods of reflection and deep thought into what makes you, what makes you special, what your role is on this earth mm-hmm. and, and the impact that you're going to make. And so when I think for me in answer to your question about that, I've always felt from being a little girl that I was on this journey to make life better for people, to improve the world around me and to leave it a better place. And I know that goes back to my very early childhood. And as I've gone through my life, that's always where I've been, is looking to, in the place that I'm in, 
what impact can I make positively? And sometimes that takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. And that's where the fearlessness comes in. Yeah. And it's in big and small things, I would say. It's not necessarily always in those huge decisions. Absolutely. To give everything up and move from one country to another. It can be in the small decisions too. Absolutely. And it's every day. And how do we show up? And we have a choice. How do we show up in every single moment? How do we show up when we open our eyes in the morning? And whether it's just us that's there or us and a significant other or us and some family members, how are we showing up every morning for them? And that, that's a real choice, right? Yeah. And I am, I am not good, full disclosure, not good in the morning. <laughs> so, so I wake up and I'm, oh, We're here. no, <laughs> appreciate the beauty in the day as I look out of the curtains and see the garden and the flowers, appreciate my amazing husband being there and appreciate the opportunities that I have for the day ahead of me. So it's all of those things. It's, it's, it's going back to the gratefulness that I have for the opportunities and the people in my life, the love that I have for them, and and finding those opportunities where I can make a difference. I There's such a beauty and such value in that and reminding ourselves that we have that choice. Mm-hmm. I think we often will allow the situations in our life to rob us of yes. the choices that we think we have to make. It's like, nope, we we still have that choice. Yes. I love that. I love that you said that. So in thinking about that, though, I think it naturally segues into knowing that you found what that looks like for you. How do you help guide others? So what's the way, like for our Fearlessly Made You crew, when you think about living out making your choice, living out that fearless existence, what advice do you have for people to kind of be able to do that? So it goes back to that choice, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've always sort of been a planner and mm. then and then <laughs> realized that plans don't happen, but that's yeah. okay. I think having a vision mm. for what you want to give to the world and achieve in your life, have a vision. So that gives you a visual, yeah. mental goal to get to. Um, plots, plot the course along the way. It goes yeah. back to my sailing. How am I going to achieve that? Who are the people in my circle um, that can be with me and support me on that yes. journey? And as part of that journey, how am I supporting them? Uh, and then look, be open, just be open to those opportunities, eyes and ears and listening and being curious to those opportunities that are out there and being present. Mm. That is the greatest gift, I think, in this day and age that we're in with all the struggles that we've been through over the past several years is to be present in the moments that we have. It's the biggest gift that we can give ourselves and the biggest gift that we can give others because we can worry about the past and what happened and we can't change it. We can learn from it, but we can't change it. Mm-hmm. And worrying and ruminating on it is not going to help. Yeah. We don't know what the future is going to bring. So we can have a vision and a plan for it to help us on that journey. But really all we have is now and these moments that we're in and fully being present and fully appreciating the beauty and the messy, and the fun, and the crazy, (laughs) 
<laughs> and the everything yes. of those moments. And that gets us centered and grounded and understanding what we're, what's important to us. Yes. And what we're grateful for. And then those become the guideposts along the way in that journey that when we do come on those struggles and difficult times, we've got our, our guideposts to get centered back to, to help us be fearless I in those times. That. I don't know about y'all, but we're going to bring Rachel back, like, constantly. She's going to be our guru. Um, <laughs> guru time I with Rachel. Love it. I love it. I love it. It's so, it's so beautifully said, though, because there is just a an authenticity and an honesty. And having known you for so many years, I love this. I love getting to see how vulnerable, and and you've always been a very honest person, but seeing that part of you is is so beautiful. And it's it really reaches out to so many of us. And so... I almost want to kind of take us into this direction of now knowing kind of where you're at in your life now. Um, and one of the one of the most beautiful things that I, I love to highlight about my friends is when they make big changes in their life. So you are now the president of Studio Community Institute, which is amazing and just such a great honor. It's something that you've been doing the work for so long. And so having that opportunity to represent Studio Community Institute, but really represent our community, I think is beautiful, especially with what you just shared and that vulnerability and your ability to help other people look at how do I lean into my presence and lean into right now. So talk to us a little bit about, as you've transitioned into this new role, how you're taking what it means for you to be fearlessly made into what it means for you to be in this position, you know, as, as the president. Yeah. I mean, gosh, what an interesting question. And it goes back you know, it's like, oh, yes, wow, I've achieved the success of the position of president of the organization, which feels sad and exciting and wonderful for about half a minute. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, wow, this is harder than I ever <laughs> thought it was going to be. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, and that's where I am right now, yeah. you know, um, not lying. You know, there have been times over the last few months that I've, you know, gone into the bathroom and cried for a minute oh, because sure. this is so hard and then you have to come back out. <laughs> like, I'm here. We're fine. <laughs> Everything's okay. You know, being ready to go. And, and, you know, and that's me being willing to be vulnerable here yeah. and there talking to you and with the people listening. But that's the reality. And, and, and it's hard because it involves people. And I have a terrific team of people and a terrific, amazing leader um, in Quint Studer, who's our founder, who yes. you know and who oh, you've yes. worked with. And you guys have heard me talk about Quint yeah. many times. Yeah. Um, but all different people are different personalities and so so that's one piece of it Christy is on the sort of you know micro level is managing the people on the team and being the best I can be for them and yes. that's what I've been saying over the months is look you know I don't have all the answers to this gosh I'm getting really congested I apologize nope you are perfectly um, fine but I don't have the answers to this but what I want to do is be the best possible leader for you the best possible coach the best possible supporter for you in your role because yeah. you guys are the one who are doing the hard work yes. in all of this 
And so on this journey, what I'm going to be doing is a lot of listening mm -hmm. and a lot of asking questions. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that it's questioning in a way of saying that's the wrong thing to do. Right. I'm asking questions to understand, to learn, and to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. And then listening not only internally to my team, yeah. but externally um, to all kinds of different people in the community to find out how we can be helpful. Our mission at Student Community Institute is to improve the quality of life for people. Yes. Wow. How amazing that I get to it's wake amazing. up and do that every single day. And so it's on the sort of the bigger level in terms of how, how am I going to make a difference? How am I leaning into this new role and this new um, part of the journey that I'm on? It's about that, again, in terms of my own life, having that vision of where I wanted to go. And when I came here, I knew that what Quint was doing was amazing. A visionary person with drive and the ability to get things done to improve lives. And I knew that I wanted to be around that and involved in that and part of it. And yes. I didn't know that didn't exist. Yes. So I couldn't, you know, on my sort of planning vision board, put it down. But what I did put was, was the mission that I had, what I wanted to achieve. You know, even a picture of Quinton Rishi was on that. I love that. And so now I'm looking at that vision for the future for this community and saying, okay, well, how can we as SCI really impact that, really improve it, really make a difference and, and, and just help this community be the best it can be so that we can be vibrant for not just a segment of the community, but for the entire diverse community. And that's a big, a big heavy lift and a big vision, right. right? To make our community the best place to live in the whole world. Yes. That's our vision. And, but we're doing it one step at a time. And really that's as we, you know, talk about life and our lives and the journey is one step at a time and making a difference one day at a time. And that's all that we can do. And my mum used to say to me all the time as I would be constantly struggling to do more and to be better yeah. and what have you, she'd ask me, have you done your best? And that was always the question. And if I could answer that yes, then that was good enough. So that's what that. it's about. Are you doing your best? I love that. I think we need to cheers to that. <laughs> I think that's just uh, – we're, we're going to cheers to that cheers. because I think that's one of the things – that is just, it's so you. Everything that you've shared is just, it's so beautiful to connect the dots to where you came from, where you are now, and how that's impacting. Like you said, as a little girl, you always wanted to make a difference in your community and the community that you serve. And you're in a position to do that. But like you said, it's not the title. Yeah. It's what you're able to do and who you are and what that looks like. And it brings up the question that I'm sure plenty of people are asking and, and hearing your journey and in hearing where you are now, what has it looked like for you to embed balance or what I like to call kind of shut off time yeah. and giving yourself the grace to also be you and kind of reflect on you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Christy, it is so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one. <laughs> Said nobody ever. Yeah. You know, again, Christy, again, I struggle. 
I truly do struggle with it every day and I have to bring myself back to what's important. And so I can, you know, my tendency would be to work 24 hours, seven days a week because I'm so passionate about it yeah. and I love it. And, and I can see these opportunities constantly. But then I have a family who I absolutely adore. I adore my husband and, and I adore my, my stepson and my, yeah, my stepson and my, and my daughter-in-law and my four, almost five-year-old granddaughter who's here in Pensacola and spending time with them is important. My mom and my sister, my stepdad are in England. I need to make time to speak to them. And my sister and my other sister in Australia. So, so thinking about sort of the convert, you know, what what is meaningful in my life when yes. it really comes down to it, and what are my core values? Family is one of those. My my family is so important to me. Faith, family, friends, and making a difference. Love that. So those are, I have to get centered back to that when we're talking about mm -hmm. all these distractions and work and switching off from everything in life that's happening. Um, if I say that one of my core values is my family, then I have to make time for them. And that means putting my phone away when my husband's home in the evening and being with him Fully and connecting fixed, yeah. with him. And as I said earlier, that gift of being present in the moment is not just a gift for him, it's a gift for me. Absolutely. Because then we're making sure that we're building that connection, we're working on our relationship, we're deepening and developing the love that we have for each other. That. And that's in those moments. And I can't do it if I'm distracted by text messages and emails yep. and phone calls and, and even distracted in my mind by what I need to do tomorrow and the next day and all of those things. So I have to become and become present yes and then the same in terms of making the time for those phone calls with family all over the world in different time zones yes and when those happen but being intentional about it again yes. um and then the things that that are fun and that I enjoy doing which is you know sailing is one yes. of those so you know, sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, I don't have time for that. There's too much going on. But when I get on that boat and we throw the lines off and we sail out of the slip, it's like I've left everything on land and I can be in the moment on that boat. And, and I love that. So that's a real sort of mechanism for me. It's a literal thing, stepping on the boat letting the lines off, moving away into the water and having that environment, which I absolutely love and which yes. fills me, um, being around the water, it sort of replenishes me, then, then, then that's where I find fun and passion and enjoyment and those kinds of things. So I'd encourage people to think about that. I can intentionally do it with my husband putting the things aside I can intentionally make time to make the phone calls and the thank goodness for FaceTime and all those things with yeah. my family overseas I can intentionally throw the lines off and be on the boat and have the fun and the replenishment and the getting back to nature um, and then the same thing with friends but it it takes coming back to those core values yes. in a way that's intentional and purposeful 
and practicing again what we talked about earlier, being present yes. and giving ourselves, realizing it's a gift, giving ourselves that gift as well as giving our loved ones, our significant others and our children and our friends that gift too. I love that. And I think the intentionality piece is huge mm -hmm. because we can allow everything else to take over. Yeah. But when you intentionally say this is just as important, if not more important, yeah. it becomes important. That's right. I love that. Well, something else that I always find as being important, you talked about being replenished. One of the things I always talk about with being replenished is with balance. Also, wine is a great way to replenish your life as well. So I always ask everyone, <laughs> you saw, yes, or saw where I was going with that. Um, if you were, like a fun question. So if you were to think about, so you're on the boat with your husband, maybe relaxing. So maybe not doing any competitive sailing, but just relaxing. What would be your go-to beverage or your go-to glass of wine that you would be having? No question about it. It is champagne. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. 100%. Oh, that's perfect. And I can see you. I can just see you with a nice glass of champagne. I love that. Popping the cork. Popping the bottle. <laughs> Chasing the champagne. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. I love that. The bubbles and Rachel, the fun. And, I love yeah. that so much. It's such a, it actually is a great representation of your personality too, that, <laughs> that effervescence. Um, but you, as always, I love our conversations. I love that the Fearlessly Made You crew, you guys got a chance to get to know Rachel. Thank you so much for being a part of Fearlessly Made You. I appreciate you It's so an much. honor and I love you, Christy, and I'm so proud of you. Uh, and you have given people permission to be authentic and messy and fearless and, and you have been guiding them on that journey. So Thank I'm just you. so grateful to know you and, and this opportunity and I love you. I love you too. Thank you. And guys, as usual, make sure you stay tuned and listen in to the next episode of Fearlessly Made You.